Welcome to the Healing Pain Podcast with Dr. Joe Tata. Each week, we interview top experts in physical therapy, pain science, and integrative pain care. You'll learn the most up-to-date information for treating and reversing persistent pain. This podcast is for educational purposes only and not intended to be used as personalized medical advice. And now, here's your host, Dr. Joe Tata. Hey there, friend. Welcome back to episode number 157 of the Healing Pain Podcast. On this week's episode, we're exploring the significance of polyvagal theory on autonomic resilience as it pertains to the management of chronic pain. This week's expert guest is Dr. Marlisa Sullivan. Marlisa is an assistant professor at Maryland University of Integrated Health in both yoga therapy and health promotion. She's also an adjunct professor at Emory University in the Doctor of Physical Therapy program where she teaches the integration of yoga and mindfulness in physical therapy. She has a new book out, which is co-edited with physiotherapists Shelley Prusco and Neil Pearson called Yoga and Science in Pain Care, which we'll be discussing today, especially through the lens of polyvagal theory. As a researcher, Marlisa has also contributed to the evidence base with regard to yoga therapy and polyvagal theory. If you'd like to get a taste of Dr. Sullivan's work with regard to yoga therapy and polyvagal theory, she has provided a free download of her paper. The paper is called Yoga Therapy and Polyvagal Theory, The Convergence of Traditional Wisdom and Contemporary Neuroscience. To download this paper, all you have to do is text the word 157-DOWNLOAD to the number 44222. That's 157-DOWNLOAD to the number 44222. Or you can open up a new browser on your computer and type in the URL www.integrativepainscienceinstitute.com forward slash 157 download. That's integrativepainscienceinstitute.com forward slash 157 download. And before we begin today, make sure you take a moment to join the Integrative Pain Science Institute and the Healing Pain Podcast Community Facebook group. Here you'll be able to connect with like-minded health professionals from the world of physical therapy, psychology, occupational therapy, medicine, nursing, almost every profession is part of this group and you can connect with them with regard to integrative pain care and what's happening in the world of integrated pain science. To join that group, just go to the URL www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash IPSI community. That's www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash IPSI community. Or you can just send me a quick email. My email address is joe at integrativepainscienceinstitute.com, and I'll send that link to you. Okay, sit back, relax, and let's get ready to learn about polyvagal theory and pain science with Dr. Marlisa Sullivan. Hey there, Marlisa. Welcome back to the Healing Pain Podcast. It's great to have you here. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me here. You were on the podcast way back in episode number six, and you spoke to us and shared some great information about a topic called the social domain of pain and health. And I know you're back today with lots of great information. You've written a paper with Stephen Porges around polyvagal theory. I definitely want to talk to you about that. And we'll give people the link to that page so they can read it or that paper so they can read it. You've also wrote a really good book that you're going to be talking about today, Yoga and Science and Pain Care. And you wrote that with Shelly Prosco, who I interviewed a couple of weeks ago, and Neil Pearson, who will be on in a couple of weeks. So we got a lot of ground to cover here. So I'm excited you're here. Let's, let's start with the paper first. We're going to definitely going to talk about the book, but let's talk about the paper that you did with Stephen Porges, who's very known for polyvagal theory. 
Yeah, it's just to give a little background of polyvagal theory. And as far as the paper with him, what we wanted to look at was the correlation and connection between what polyvagal theory is teaching and that with yoga philosophy to kind of show, to shed light on the underlying foundations of yoga, but being able to speak with them from a neurophysiological lens. So not saying that the exact same thing, but just to offer this translatable language so that people can begin to understand how yoga therapy works to facilitate health and well-being. So in polyvagal theory, I don't know how familiar people are with it, but there's this idea of it really provides a complexity and a nuance to the autonomic nervous system. So a lot of times people think about parasympathetic, sympathetic as this kind of dichotomous, antagonistic relationship. And so what polyvagal theory looks at is how that's not the case, and we really have a continuum of autonomic responses. So we have this kind of optimal parasympathetic state where we can engage with other people, we perceive our environment as safe, so we have physiological restoration, we have emotions such as calm and peace and equanimity, and behaviors like compassion and connection to others. Then we can have what's called safe mobilization, which is when we still perceive safety, but we're mobilized in our system. So this would be something like dancing or playing a sport or any kind of creative endeavor where your sympathetic nervous system is activated, but it's not overwhelming that sense of connection and that sense of safety. And then, of course, you have the fight or flight. And then from the fight or flight, you have what's called safe immobilization which is when we begin to experience more and more stillness, but we still perceive safety. So this happens in meditation, when you begin to get still and quiet and calm, but you still have safety. And then the last phase or stage that Stephen talks about is defensive immobilization. And this is kind of like death feigning. The example is always like where a cat catches a mouse and the mouse's blood pressure, heart rate drops really low. The cat thinks it's dead and lets it go and the mouse runs away. In severe trauma, we can experience an immobilization within our system and kind of a shutting down or dissociation. So in his theory, by affecting the autonomic state, we affect physiology, psychology, and behavior concurrently. And yoga has a reflective theme, which speaks to this idea that everything in our body, our mind, the world around us is changeable. And all of those changeable aspects of us ourselves are made up of these three qualities of the gunas, as opposed to that unchanging essence of who we are. So all of everything in our body, our mind, the world around us is constantly fluctuating. And it has very similar gunas or qualities that are named, clarity, that of activation, or that of stillness. So in terms of yoga philosophy, we might talk about activating a guna and cultivating a guna. Whereas in the autonomic nervous system, we would talk about activating a neural platform. Awesome. I love those five aspects of polyvagal theory because people just think, oh, it's fight or flight and that's it. It's either on or off. It's like yes or no. And in some ways, what do you do with that as a practitioner? Like if you have no control over that or someone's either in fight or flight, or sometimes people throw the freeze in there, but you've really taken that. And I know your work with Stephen Porges has taken that to a different level. Tell us what the name of the paper is so people can access it. It's called something like yoga therapy and polyvagal theory. Okay, so we'll, we'll I'll yeah, link to, to that. We'll up. link to that. We'll get a link to it okay. so you have it and people can download it and yeah. read it and check it out. You also worked on a great book recently called Yoga and Science and Pain Care, and I know you, your two main authors were Shelley Prosco and Neil Pearson and a whole bunch of other amazing 
physical therapists and psychologists and yoga people and really very multidisciplinary. Why did you guys write that book? Well, we had all, all three of us have a lot of experience and interest in working with the complexity of the pain experience. We were, we're all friends. We've known each other in the yoga therapy, physical therapy community. And we had each kind of thought about writing about pain, but it seemed so big that there was no one person that could hold the whole picture. So we began to talk about writing a book together. And then we began to talk about, well, let's really get experts in each of these facets of pain care to speak about the yoga and science in their expertise. So like we have a chapter on psycho-emotional well-being written by Michael Lee, who's the founder of Phoenix Rising Yoga Therapy. We got Saidi, Tracy Sondick, to write about addiction and pain care. So we were able to really find the people that we wanted to write about each topic. And so they're all yoga therapists and some other kind of professional and have worked with pain for many years. And as you were speaking, I was kind of Googling by the magic of Google. I believe your paper is called Yoga Therapy and Polyvagal Theory the convergence of traditional wisdom and contemporary neuroscience. Thank you. Which is a mouthful. So I don't, I, we won't <laughs> I hold it against you. That you couldn't remember the last, long titles. <laughs> yeah, the last part is quite long. So it's our free gift this week. So of course people can download that. They can access the link in the beginning of the podcast, but the paper is yoga therapy and polyvagal theory, the convergence of traditional wisdom and contemporary neuroscience that Marlisa wrote with Stephen Porges. Great paper. So Segwaying from that, of course, into a book, which is an incredible feat. I know how much time and effort and blood, sweat, and tears goes into a book. How does polyvagal help us take that more holistic perspective? So you already mentioned a couple of them, but take us into a little bit more of that. Yeah, so um, I think especially coming to this as a physical therapist, seeing people who have any kind of chronic pain condition from back pain, migraines, whatever it might be, fibromyalgia, and there's a way that you can try to address each of their symptoms, the pain experience, the emotions they have, the stress they have, all the sleep, all those things. And we can kind of get lost about which one to start with first. And so what polyvagal theory offers is a way to kind of put that aside for a moment and consider coming underneath to facilitate the social engagement neural platform. And so from that optimal parasympathetic state, we can then facilitate naturally things like compassion, kindness, non-harming, contentment, relaxation, so that we can kind of optimize or catalyze these more positive or calm body-mind states through shifting the autonomic state instead of getting lost in the symptoms. Love it. And I love that you're teaching people how to access the autonomic system more because it's so important for pain care and really just health and vitality overall. Talk to us about resilience when it comes to the autonomic nervous system and polyvagal theory. Yes, a lot of talk about the autonomic nervous system comes into this idea of regulation, like coming into this optimal parasympathetic state. And that is super beneficial, and it's related to a lot of health outcomes and different diagnoses and conditions. However, the way that yoga would say it is that life is always going to fluctuate. We're always going to have these gunas. We're always going to have these neural platforms. We're going to have periods of anxiety and worry. We're going to have periods of like deep lethargy and tiredness. And that's just part of the life experience of being human. Resilience is about that capacity to return to states of homeostasis, balance, or parasympathetic response in a timely and efficient way. 
So it includes the ability to notice when we begin to get away from that state and then how to get back to it more efficiently and quickly. So in polyvagal theory, we can look at it as the capacity for us to access the parasympathetic social engagement and to be able to navigate the other neural platforms. So to notice when we come into a sympathetic state, what are the things that contribute to that state, and then how to return to a parasympathetic state. I often talk about it as three different kinds of resilience. So there's the resilience about alternating, where you first facilitate the strength of coming into parasympathetic, and then you offer practices to increase activation and then come back down, and increase activation and come back down. The person learns that they can skillfully navigate coming back. And then the second phase of resilience is what can be called like widening the window of tolerance meaning that the person can begin to be activated, but to maintain that sense of connection. So those neural platforms of safe mobilization and safe immobilization actually widen. So this would be something like doing a posture like bridge and maintaining a calm breath or maintaining a visualization or a meditation of calm that you're able to experience yourself as physiologically activated but maintain a connection to that calm state. And then the third kind of resilience is really a bit more yogic than it is polyvagal theory. And it's in yoga, we learn to actually experience all stimuli as eudaimonic well-being or as that sense of calm or equanimity. So we begin to really shift the way that we relate to the phenomena of the body, mind, and world. Mm. So you're placing people in postures. Mm -hmm using the breath and also using visualization. Yeah, yeah. So in that alternating, we can have something like finding whatever movement or posture or breath, or even like in physical therapy, using modalities to help and soft tissue work or manual work to facilitate that sense of ease. And then doing a practice that activates their system a little bit. So that could be an actual activating posture like bridge. Or it could even be something that's activating for that person. So some people are activated in like supported back bends or supported forward bends. So you just explore what is activating for that person. And then you come back, you move between the two postures. Mm. And where does psychology fit into this model and this perspective? I'm going to answer that two ways. And let me know if you also mean a different way. But so I would say that in the way that I work with it in my scope of practice as a physical therapist and yoga therapist is what I'm doing is helping the person notice the emotions and thoughts that arise to notice how they show up in their body and to change the relationship they have with those emotions. So it's a very somatically based, for example, if fear or anger arise and they express that, I can ask them how they notice that in their body. Is there a place, a color, a texture, a vibration? Is there something they can bring to that emotion or thought, like maybe a sense of peace or calm, the opposite, or is it just sitting with that emotion while it's there? So that's the kind of way I would work with it. And that would be regulation and resilience. And when someone has an emotion or a thought that really tends to, they ruminate on or becomes overwhelming for them, then I will refer them to a psychotherapist so that they could have both ways of working with it. And I've seen... I've actually worked with several clients who were using psychotherapy or doing psychotherapy as well as seeing me. And sometimes their psychotherapist would refer to me. So in our session, we would really work with it like this, where 
how do you notice that sensation in your body? What is the color, the texture, the descriptors of it? Is there something that is wanting to be brought here? How is it that you want to relate to this? So we really keep it in those kinds of questions and that any of the more detail or story or history of that emotion is discussed with the psychotherapist. So there is a mindfulness and acceptance piece that's within this work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so important. This overlaps, like I'm hearing a lot of overlaps between some cognitive behavioral type therapies, acceptance and commitment therapy, of course, yoga. I hear lots of different flavors in there, which is great because people respond well when they have different types of stimuli. What practices in general will help with resilience? So first, like finding what it is that helps to really relax the person. So oftentimes it could be manual therapy, but it could also be something like constructive rest posture or some position that helps them feel really comfortable. So for resilience, I tend to use postures like or movements like bridge or some standing postures or faster breathing techniques so that they're able to do those postures that activate their system and then they come back down. I was talking to someone recently, there's this concept called anxiety sensitivity. Mm. And it's uh, used in the kind of personal training world where people will do bike riding or treadmill walking in order to experience the same physiological activation that they have in anxiety, but they're able to understand that it's a different safe situation. So we can use practices like that as well. Yeah. Interesting. Because a lot of studies on anxiety, if you look at psychology papers, they have people in low oxygen environments which cause people to breathe rapidly and can induce a little bit of anxiety, of course. So kind of almost like a similar concept, which is really interesting. Of course, you're a physical therapist and you're a yoga instructor. Are you kind of looping this all together? Is there a way, is there a tool or a method that you use to evaluate this? Or is it more like an art form that you're learning and practicing? I would say a little bit of both. There is also this kind of developing, evolving field called yoga therapy. So I see myself as a yoga therapist and a physical therapist. And so my evaluation, there's the physical therapy piece of it, which is looking at things like movement and musculoskeletal imbalances, things like that. And then there's the yoga therapy piece of it, which I'm doing really through an interview process Mm -hmm. to notice like, what is their stress level like? What is their sleep like? What kinds of emotions and thoughts are they dealing with? So even asking like on my intake form, which of these emotions are you working with right now or are showing up for you right now? And it'll be things like anger or fear, or anxiety, depression. What is your energy level like? So it's mostly with like questions that I'm determining if they seem to be in a heightened sympathetic response and if they have difficulty coming into that kind of social engagement. And on there asking questions like, what is your social relationships? How are those? And what is your relationship to even spiritual well-being, like meaning and purpose and those kinds of things? And in your book, Yoga and Science and Pain Care, there was the one chapter that you wrote or was there more than... Um, I wrote a chapter on polyvagal theory and then also a chapter on spiritual well-being. And Mm -hmm. part of the language I use around that is called eudaimonia or eudaimonic well-being. And it comes from Aristotle. And it means to live a well-lived life. And eudaimonic well-being in the research is about this idea of steadfast contentment and flourishing. And they found the health outcomes of eudaimonic well-being are things like decreased mortality and comorbidities independent of other things like 
physical activity or diet, like that Harvard longitudinal study, that connection to meaning and purpose increase our lifespan. It also increases our psychological well-being. It has impact on our inflammatory and immune processes. So I kind of see the broader picture of something like yoga therapy as facilitating eudaimonic well-being. Just that idea of experiencing a steadfast contentment within whatever things emerge in your life. That idea of being committed to meaning and purpose and to work with things like non-harming or compassion. And then within that, by facilitating autonomic regulation, we can help mediate that experience. So by facilitating uh, taking someone in chronic pain who maybe hasn't experienced that a lot or even ever. A woman I worked with recently had sickle cell disease, and so she hadn't really ever experienced her life without pain. Really finding what are the ways for this person to access the social engagement system so that we can facilitate eudaimonic well-being or contentment or equanimity. So even things like music smells, if someone's okay with it, like different oils that can create that. So we can create new positive experiences for someone. Mm. They're two different topics in different chapters, but they're actually very interrelated. Yeah, I consider them very interrelated. I mean, the one about eudaimonic well-being, it was so cool to me in the research is that when you read about how people define spirituality versus religion, when they really distinguish spirituality from religion, they distinguish it through this idea of meaning and purpose, positive social relationships, values like forgiveness, hope, those kinds of things, and any kind of connection that could be a personal resourcing or existential connection. And in the same way, eudaimonic well-being is measured by those same things, meaning and purpose, values, quality social relationships, and personal connection. So that idea to be more authentically who you are, to express who you are, taking that from another place. So to me, eudaimonic well-being is kind of secular spirituality, and yoga also catalyzes those. There's some neat work right now in yoga where they're looking at how people start the practice for physical reasons, but they often continue for more spiritual reasons. So if we consider like one of the big roadblocks for pain for physical activity is adherence. This idea that if we bring into the session things like connection to meaning and purpose and peace and contentment and those aspects of eudaimonic or spiritual well-being, we might help someone to continue to be motivated to do physical activity. So interesting how someone explores a movement practice, something that starts out as purely physical and yet they wind up going down a very, very different path. Yeah. Being able to use things like the autonomic nervous system and polyvagal theory so that we don't have to determine the language someone uses for it. So that as they experience that state of peace or equanimity that is a social engagement system, we can ask how they experience that personal connection. And I've had people just automatically go into their religion where they say, this is what comes to mind. This is a phrase from my religious text that really speaks to me. And so then we can use that or it can be non-religious at all. But that what really more they connect to themselves and their body and access this peace and calm, the more they can to experience things like that deep personal connection, that essence of who they are, and then whatever language they express for that we can use. So we know you teach at Maryland University. So you're an assistant professor. And you're talking, obviously, you're very familiar with the research on this and even at this point have done some of the research on it. How do you approach and others that have similar message 
around these types of topics, traditional practitioners and start to open up this conversation with them as far as practice. Because there are many physical therapists who may be listening to this who work in a more traditional physical therapy environment where it's more sports and orthopedics and a biomedical model. And this type of information has yet to trickle in. Yeah. So there's two things come to mind with that. One is I did a grand rounds at Children's Hospital of Atlanta, where it was a bunch of the doctors and I spoke about yoga as eudaimonic well-being and they were super excited. I think the medical community is really excited to understand how while this stuff can be kind of out there, it's also not. Like that eudaimonic well-being has effect on gene activation, which affects inflammation and immune. And this is NIH research. So when they see that, they're actually very excited. I found that that work is out there and that you can speak to it in a non- out their way. And that's why I think it is nice to have the language of something like polyvagal theory, where you don't have to like yoga lingo or be anywhere in that area, but you could just talk about, we're going to regulate their nervous system. We're going to help create emotional regulation. And that will help you to relax talking about how this regulation of the nervous system is going to help you relax your muscles. And that'll help you have more mobility and to activate your muscles more effectively. So we can really take out anything that seems obscure. When I talk to you, what's great about this is you can take a theory on a topic like this and you can straddle way over into like the more traditional yoga world. Yeah. Be right in the middle for people who like kind of right in the middle, like many practitioners are. And then you can go way to the other side to kind of the very more neuroscience side. So people with licenses in healthcare and neuroscientists can start to say, oh, okay, there's definitely theory and science that supports everything that's going on here. So I love that combination. Yeah, and I think with my patients I've had, they're really excited because you know, most of the patients I see are people that have gone to many medical professionals, they've had longstanding pain. So the idea of your autonomic nervous system, even very simplistically saying your sympathetic fight or flight response is going to create tension in your body. So the way that you're responding to stress in your life is going to create that kind of repeat attention in your body. I found people to be very open and receptive and like, oh yeah, that's right. You know, and then they'll be come to me through different sessions and say, oh, I notice that like when I'm at work and this thing happens where I'm sitting all day and they'll begin to notice how their reaction to stress shows up as muscular tension in their body. Yeah, it starts to become intuitive after a while for people. Mm-hmm. It's almost like these lessons were there with us through the eons and we kind of lost them and now we're touching base with them again and helping people discover them again. Yeah. And that's one of the things I really appreciate polyvagal theory. Like it it seems so, well, like, yeah, of course, like my autonomic system connects my body, my mind and my behavior. But like, it's nice to have a theory that says, no, this is how it happens. This is how it shows up. And these are ways we can play with it and alter it. Yeah. Well, people are definitely going to download your paper. And then I encourage everyone to check out the book, Yoga and Science and Pain Care. And then Marlisa, tell everyone how they can learn more about you. Um, So I'm at, like you said, Maryland University of Integrative Health. So one of the websites is muih.edu. And then another website that I'm at is integrativeyogastudies.com. And I'm in the middle of creating a website that's just marlisasullivan.com. Great. So check out all those links. Of course, they'll be on the page on integrativepainscienceinstitute.com. You can find it on her page on the episode that she spoke on today. All the links will be there you can connect to. And of course, you can just go to 
marlisasullivan.com and you can learn more. Check out the book, Yoga and Science in Pink here, and then grab the link to this podcast or on your cell phone, hit that little share button, share it with a yogi or a PT or an OT or some other pain science geek or someone with pain who would benefit from this type of information. I'm Dr. Joe Tata, and as always, it's a great pleasure to be here with you this week, and I'll see you next week. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Healing Pain Podcast with Dr. Joe Tata. To subscribe to the podcast and learn more, visit integrativepainscienceinstitute.com. That's integrativepainscienceinstitute.com. Sign up to receive weekly updates, leave a review on iTunes, and share this episode with your friends.